Let's take a moment to pray. Lord God, on this night, prepare our hearts to receive Jesus in a way that we have never received him before. Prepare our hearts through your word. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. During the Advent season, I recounted a miracle of sorts. And I wanted to share that again with folks because not everybody has heard this particular miracle. And it began with a song. It was a song that was sung on December 24th, Christmas Eve, 1914. It was sung during World War I on the Western Front. During that time, there was a truce on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and it's estimated that over 100,000 soldiers laid down their arms. The Allied soldiers mingled with the Germans, and for a moment, there was peace. The author, Stanley Weintraub, who wrote Silent Night, the story of World War I Christmas truce, said in an er interview that it started with a German officer, Walter Kirchhoff, who was a tenor in the Berlin Opera. He came forward that night and sang Silent Night in German and then in English. It was a cold, clear night, and his voice carried far. The shooting had stopped. There was silence. And after he sang, the Allied soldiers sang back. One soldier recounted on that Christmas Eve, the first Germans would sing one carol, and then the British would sing another. And then the British started to sing, O come all ye faithful. But the Germans started to sing right away with the Latin version of uh, Adeste Fidelis. And the soldier said, I thought, wow, this is most extraordinary. Two nations singing the same carol in the middle of a war. The next morning, in some places, German soldiers emerged from their trenches, calling out Merry Christmas. The Allied soldiers came out warily, but still greeted them. In other places, some of the German soldiers held up a sign, you no shoot, we no shoot. And so, during that time, the soldiers went into the no-man's land, the area between the trenches. And there they exchanged gifts. They exchanged cigarettes, food, buttons, hats. You even see a picture of them, a very famous picture of them playing on the battlefield. The Christmas truce allowed for peace also to bring in the bodies that were between the trenches that had lain there for weeks and for a moment because of a song that was sung there was peace, though it was just temporary. But that song that that German soldier sang went all the way back to something that had happened over 2,000 years ago. There was a song that was sung that night by the angels. It was recounted here in our reading. This is from Luke chapter 2 starting with verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly 
there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The peace that the angels sang about was because of who was born that day, Christ the Lord, our Savior. You see, the heavenly host throughout heaven were singing the praise because of one name, one phrase, and that is Emmanuel, God with us. This is the source of all the songs that the heavenly hosts were singing, Emmanuel, God with us. It's short. You've heard it many times before, I'm sure. It's a phrase, a name that should just give us pause. It should make us stop for a moment to end the strife, to end the war, to look up into the heavens and praise God for an eternal peace. Emmanuel, God with us. In itself, it should be a song that should echo in your hearts. So tonight, for just a brief moment, I want us to ponder anew. Emmanuel, God with us. I want his name to fill your heart and to fill it with his peace and with his joy. Emmanuel, God with us. It means God. God. His name is tossed about so much nowadays and used so carelessly in an ugly fashion. His name has almost lost meaning. But now let's ponder anew when we say God. When we say God, we mean to say one who is above everything. By the very power of his word, the universe was created. God said, let there be. And there was. This is the God we speak of. When we say God, we speak of an eternal God, a self-existent God who has no beginning and no end, and this is impossible for us to consider. The finite trying to grasp the infinite. How can we get our minds around the infinite? It is an impossible thing, and yet God is infinite. He is self-existent. He has no beginning and no end. When Moses was with him in the desert before the exodus, God had told Moses to go to talk to the Pharaoh to get the people of Israelites into the desert. Moses said to him, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to, sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am sent me to you. God is the great I am. He is not a God of some time in the past, of one time, nor is he a God of some time, perhaps maybe in the future. He is I am 
eternal, without beginning, without end. This is the God we speak of when we say God. And when we say God, we speak of a God who is infinitely holy. He is so holy and pure that when Moses was by him at the burning bush, God said, take off your sandals for the very ground you stand on is holy. This is the infinite holy God, the righteous God, who sits on the throne and around the throne, the heavenly creatures, unending in their praise, say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. When you say holy three times, it means that there is nothing more than that. He is holy above all things. When we say God, we mean a holy God. And when we say God, we mean a God from whom nothing is hidden. There are no surprises. God is never surprised. He is never taken aback, and there are no secrets from the Lord. And the Lord looks upon each one of our hearts and sees everything that we have done, which should strike terror in our hearts as well. But when we say God, we speak a God of love. A God of love a love that is steadfast throughout eternity. If you read the Psalms, the echoing refrain in the Psalms again and again is the steadfast love endures forever. The steadfast love of God endures forever. When we speak of God of love, this is the God that reaches down into our darkness, into our sin, into our rebellion. He reaches down and provides light where there's darkness. He provides hope where there seems to be none. He provides life when there seems to be no life. This is a God of love who gave of himself so greatly that he gave what is most precious. He gave us his only son. This is the God we speak of. When we say God, it should have a depth and breadth and reverence to it that we should do, as it says in the song in O Holy Night, fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices, O night divine, O night when Christ was born, O night divine, O night, O night divine. Emmanuel, God, God with us. In this phrase, with us, We find that God is not just transcendent overall, but he is intimate. He is imminent. He is with you now. He's not just among us. The word actually, when you take a look, means with us, traveling with us, experiencing all of the sorrows all of the joys, all of the difficulties in our life. God, the infinite, has taken on the finite. He has become flesh. We find this beautifully expressed 
Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word, Jesus, is the word. Jesus is God. Jesus is God, the Son. Jesus is God who took on flesh. He didn't give up his deity. He took on what he had not been before. And this is the wonder and the mystery of the incarnation of Christ Jesus. Because in the flesh, he hungered just as you and I hunger. He thirsted just as you and I thirst. He grew weary and had to rest. God in the flesh. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This word dwelt. Dwelt, it it speaks of a communion with us, doesn't it? But it's interesting, when you even take a look at the word in the original language, the word dwelt means tented or tabernacled. So in a very literal manner, it would read this way, the word became flesh and tented or tabernacled with us. But what does that mean? Well, you have to understand when Moses was with the Israelites in the Exodus, in the desert, God commanded them to make a tent. And in this tent or tabernacle, there would be two areas. One was the holy place, but there was also another place separated from everything else, and it was the Holy of Holies. And once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies to confess the sins of Israel and be forgiven. And there the high priest would meet God. God would be on his mercy seat. The rest of the people did not have access to the Holy of Holies. So what does this mean when it says he tabernacled or tented among us? It means that Christ Jesus, God in the flesh, has come out of of the tabernacle, has come out of the holy of holies and has dwelt with us. He has gone through the veil and he is no longer separated from us who are mired in sin. He has come into the world and it is Jesus who comes to you. It is Jesus who approaches you. This is Emmanuel, God with us. But why? Have you ever stopped to ponder why? Why would that be? Why would God from his holiness take on flesh to be with us, to be in the muck and mire of our life? And it is for this reason. Because you and I cannot come to him on our own. You and I cannot come to to him. And it's been this way from the beginning because of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they didn't go out and seek God and seek for her, his forgiveness. Do you remember what they did? They hid, didn't they? They hid from God in their shame from sin. And it was not them that sought out God. God sought them. He was the one who went and said, where are you? You see, this has been the way throughout the entire Bible. Because the Bible is not about man's desire to seek God. It is about God's desire to be with man. So God, Emmanuel, came to us in the flesh 
And he did for us what we can't do ourselves. He came into a world that was in rebellion, a world in which there was war. And you know what the greatest war? The greatest war is man against God. And he came in the midst of the war and he declared peace. He declared that there is a peace with God through him. And he said, I am going to come for you to do what you cannot so that you can have peace, so that you can have joy. And he did that by going to the cross. See, you can't actually talk about Christmas without talking about the cross. It's summed up rather well in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. You see, when we come to celebrate Christmas, we actually don't come to celebrate the birth of a baby as much as we have a child in the manger. We come to celebrate the love of God. We come to celebrate the love of God who sent his only son to rescue us. We come to celebrate and adore him who brings us eternal peace. We celebrate Emmanuel, God, with us. That's the song of Christmas. And for that, we all say, Amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com. Dot com.